0: Your nation, welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train podcast. This is your host. That's Joe Wheat at Joe Wheat27 on Twitter, along with my boy Hunter Miller. Uh Hunter, it's just us today. How you how you living today, my friend?
1: You forgot one crucial thing on the introduction. Yes, it's just us, no Trevor today, but uh the BYU Hype Train, home of your Pac 12 South Championship football team.
0: Yes, home of the Pac-12 South champion, and if you uh, subscribe to Stuart Mandel's line of thinking, the Pac-12 champions, Um, and uh, I I mean this has to.
1: Stuart has never said anything controversial or wrong when it comes to relationships between BYU and the Pac-12. So,
0: I have long said that I have long said that he is the voice of reason in college football. and I, I think he proved it again, as well as uh, uh, who was it? Andy Staples was, was doing the Lord's work on, uh, on Saturday night, just roasting Utah fans left and right uh, for being a little too sensitive about the, uh, the, the Pac-12 champion jokes.
1: Andy Staples coming from the clouds to roast Utah fans. And it wasn't like his intention was to roast Utah fans. His intention was to tell a hilarious joke. It was the Utah fans who then presented the opportunity to be roasted. Was probably better and more entertaining than the BYU USC game was.
0: Correct. Which, which I mean, this has been a, a very controversial subject for some reason on uh, on the social interwebs uh, the last few days. But it begs it begs it begs the question: If you don't think something is funny, can it? Is it still a joke? Like just because you don't think it's funny, is it? Im- is it still possible for something to be a joke?
1: Well, I think you said it perfectly on Twitter where like these jokes are going to be made, right? Like BYU fans. And it really isn't even just BYU fans. It's like national media pundits, right? Like Reese Davis said something on the college football playoff ranking show, uh, you know, about BYU being the Pac-12 South champs. And, you know, you talk about Andy Staples and Stuart Mandel, like this isn't just BYU fans. So let's get that out of the way. But like those jokes are going to be made because they're harmless rivalry banter, and it's funny. And what's even funnier is the reaction it gets out of Utah fans. But Utah fans have two choices in the matter. Either laugh along with BYU fans, or be laughed at by not just BYU fans, but then everyone around the country, right? Like Andy Staples was laughing at Utah fans for their reaction to what was a harmless, funny, Piece of rivalry banter on social media, and to yep. get all up in arms is like is head scratching. I don't know why. Like I, I get it. I know why. And in my heart of hearts, it's because they don't want to feel de- feel uh, delegitimized and you know have their accomplishment accomplishment overshadowed by BYU's greater accomplishments. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a hilarious joke that is not ill intended or ill-willed towards any one or group of people. And so to be so up in arms is just flat out weird.
0: Yeah, I, I think Andy Staple said it best. I was trying to find it, but uh, I, I couldn't track it down. But basically he said, the more you guys respond this way, the funnier it gets. And that's kind of how I feel. Like I, I, I sent out probably the greatest social media post of my 26 years today. Um, it was hard, I mean, it was hard you, to
1: tweet the uh, Netflix and chill post, but you've done it.
0: Yes. I, I like, I never thought I'd top that one, but no, I, uh, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably on Twitter, but in case you're not, I sent out a clip of uh, that scene from the office where Jim, in, like Jim dresses up as Dwight coming into the office and Dwight gets all up in arms that uh, like he doesn't realize it at first. But then, when once he realizes what Jim is doing, he, he gets all mad and says, "Identity theft is not a joke." Um, and there's a lot of other, you know, details that, that went into that post. But basically, that's what this is. Like the the more you, the more like the anger here you get, the more you respond. It's it's the classic thing that we we tell our kids that for some reason has not been figured out that the best way to get rid of someone who bothers you is just to ignore them and i i i should i should be more grown up about this i really should but i'm just not <laughs> it's it is just no fun in that it is just too much fun um and the thing is like i will never get personal no byu fan is getting personal about this it's hilarious yeah. like if 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 utah went 5 and 0 against the big 12 in a year where byu won the big 12 yeah it'd be annoying if they did this but like it'd be funny like it the irony is there Like it's not fair that uh, I I've said this on previous, I've said this at previous times, but it still rings true that it has just been incredible that Utah fans have looked down on us for 12 years to become us in two months. Like I can't, I can't believe the number of times I saw said this week, like, wow, this, this year has been, this year's rivalry has been so exhausting. Like I, I can't take it anymore. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, we've made these jokes for a weekend. 10 is coming lasted for 12 years. If you're exhausted by this, I would suggest more cardio at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, was it us or was it Utah fans that had a whole website dedicated to here's how many days it's been since BYU last beat Utah, right? Like they have these mock cougar board Twitter accounts. Like this is, this is nothing new. It's just now the shoe is on the other foot and BYU has the upper hand and you know, they've won the rivalry game, and um, so everything that Utah fans had to cling on to over the last decade is, is now slipping through their fingers because, guess what, BYU is headed to a Power 5 conference, an arguably better Power 5 conference than Utah currently is in. BYU is starting to get all the, the high-end recruits here in the state. Uh, you know, BYU obviously beat Utah on the field. They're the higher-ranked team. Like, everything that Utah fans knew to be true in the rivalry over the last 10 years is suddenly not true anymore. Uh, and so I don't think that they've quite figured out the proper way to react and interact uh, with people on Twitter when it comes to rivalry banter. Because yeah, quite honestly, I think... like, the reaction has been flat out weird and, like, taken way too seriously on a harmless joke. Like, you go look at the mentions of Jerem Jordan because they hung a flag in their studio. Like, my goodness, you, you, this is a rivalry game played by, you know, in BYU and Utah's case, 18 to 24 year olds. Uh, it's nothing to, you know, lose sleep over.
0: Yeah. And like, nothing, like this joke, I mean, call me crazy. This joke does nothing to, like, the reason people are getting so up in arms about it is like, oh, it diminishes what these players have done so much to accomplish. And it's like, that's not what this is about. That's not. This isn't about the play. After after <laughs>
1: everything we heard about last year's BYU team and the high school this, teams yeah. that they played,
0: yeah, that, that was rich. the other thing. It's like that. That was the other thing. It's like how dare BYU fans disrespect uh, all that Utah Utah has accomplished this season? We would never do that to you. Anyway, have fun in the Independence Bowl. And uh, last yeah. year was a fluke because uh, BYU only played high school teams. So like it, again, this this week has just taught us the obvious that this rivalry is just one big spider man pointing meme yeah uh that it's i i don't understand why it's we've we've been together this long and people still think that they're different
1: well i think we i mean we've touched on this in the past it's weird because you know this rivalry is so different than every other rivalry really in the country right like there's obviously in-state rivalries you have alabama auburn you have georgia georgia tech you have oklahoma oklahoma state But no like community is so intertwined and the two fan bases so intertwined like BYU and Utah fans are. And a large part of that is due to, you know, both institutions and just the population of the state of Utah being predominantly LDS. And, you know, the people going to church on Sundays and, you know, elders quorum presidents, you know, working with first counselors where one's a BYU fan and one's a Utah fan. Like it's just such a different dynamic opposed to every other rivalry in the country, that it's weird and just wrong and you know, not accurate to think that the two fan bases are really that different from each other.
0: Yeah. Because we're at the end of
1: the day, we're the same. Like we behave the same. We view our teams in the same light, right? Like of course we think, oh well, if things were different, if one play had gone any different, or if we played today, the rivalry game would go different. Like this is the same stuff that we've been saying to each other for the last, you know, three, four, five decades, regardless of who won that year. So right to, again, to think that the fan bases are really that different from each other is just wrong. Cause we
0: are the same. Yeah, for sure. Uh again, and again, this goes this goes to BYU fans as well. Like, don't be dumb, don't be weird, like. This this rivalry has the potential to be one of the funnest in the country because we are so similar. Like we know how to yeah. trash talk because we're the same. But like, let's not pretend like, yeah, but like Hunter said, we're, we're not make, that different.
1: So, here's the key to a fun rivalry Twitter experience: make funny memes. My th- three rules: make funny memes. Number two, learn how to take a joke. And three, don't use hyperbole. Like if you just do those three things, like you'll have a fun rivalry experience because no one's going to get mean, no one's going to, you know, get defensive or, or, you know, attack one another. Like if we, if we just stick to those three rules, I think, I think we you will all um, learn that Twitter can actually be a pretty fun
0: place. Correct. And, uh, yeah, especially like no hyperbole part, like hyperbole has no place yeah. in, in civil discourse. So, uh, our second question of the day, is BYU the greatest athletic department of all time?
1: Well, I can't see how you could argue against it. I mean, from top to bottom.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Is, I, I So, so a I want to get
1: tweeted out. I think it's that BYU is one of only three programs to be ranked in football, men's basketball and women's basketball. And they joined yeah. Michigan and Baylor.
0: And the only program to have, and the only school to have two in the top 12 for football and men's basketball. Um, but not only that, like, no loss November. I I, I was trying to, I, I have no way of figuring out this stat, but like, do you think that has ever happened before? Like, ever in college sports that an entire athletic department just forgot how to lose for an entire month?
1: Probably not a month like November, where there's multiple teams playing right? Like any depart, any university can go undefeated in the month of July when it's like one, you know, two, three teams, maybe, you know, if you talk about track and field or whatever it is, like maybe in like those summer months where nothing's really being played or, you know, you talk about, you know, I don't know, April, right. With, with baseball and cross country, or I don't know when really all, all those other sports, you know, their true season are, especially the running sports, but. Um, I don't know if like a month like November, where you had, you know, women's soccer, men's basketball, women's basketball, football, um, women's volleyball, all playing at the same time, that any athletic department could would go undefeated for an entire month in every in that many sports.
0: Yeah, it, uh, I, I'm I'm trying to figure out like which one I think is most impressive. I. Like, uh, like which win was the best over the weekend. I know, I think, I think it was Ben Crittle put out a poll and the, the results were like, I think it was 50% of BYU fans said the USC win was most impressive. Like that's disrespectful to the women's soccer team who's in the final four right now. Uh,
1: I was actually, my answer would probably be the women's basketball team.
0: That, I mean, that's that's true and too. They're,
1: and their one point win hitting free throws, you know, in the final, Shaley Guns, I think it was Shaley hitting free throws in the final seconds, uh, to upset West Virginia.
0: Yeah. I, like. I need to, I realize now that I need to repent and become a season ticket holder to women's basketball. Like there's, (laughs) there's so many BYU sports, but like this women's basketball team is really good. Uh, the top six scorers are back this year from last year. Um, obviously two ranked wins last week, you're 21st in the country. Like this, this women's basketball team is no joke. Um, and really they're, they were like two possessions away from beating Arizona who went on to the final four last year. Um, yeah. so this women's basketball team is, is poised I think to, to make a run come March, especially.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, we could see, you know, very, very well to BYU basketball teams with the ability to make deep March madness runs at the end of the year. Right. I mean, the BYU wins basketball is, you know, they upset West Virginia without their head coach, right? Like Lee Kamard had to fill in for Jeff Judkins, who I think tested positive for COVID. Uh, so shout out to Judy. I uh, hope he gets better. But, uh, you know, they're doing this and getting these big wins without their head coach. And then you talk about BYU basketball, right? Like that Oregon win probably doesn't seem as impressive as it did at the time just because of what Oregon's gone on to do. But, you know, you go on the road, essentially go on the road, beat Oregon in basketball, go on the road um, and beat Utah in basketball. I don't know what the fan, if that was truly a road game with what the fan splits were looking like in Salt Lake. You were there, Joe. So you can probably speak to it. I don't know if it was 50-50 or what it was, but, um, you know, two two road wins over Pac-12 teams, right? I think the West Coast Conference is going to be really, really good this year. Santa Clara looks really good. Obviously, Gonzaga lost to Duke, but they've got the projected number one overall pick in the NBA draft. Uh, So I I think these are two very, very good BYU basketball teams, men's and women's, who, you know, in March, we'll see. Um, it'd be pretty cool if we can be talking about possibly two basketball programs in the sweet 16.
0: Yeah. Um, and I mean, there'll be, there'll be plenty of time to get to basketball, but like, I I mean, also, also to give a shout out to the men's basketball team. Um, that was a tough environment to play in. And, and I know that we, we trash talk on Utah basketball all the time. Utah's got a, Utah's got a good basketball team this year. It was, and I, I think the difference in that game, if we can talk about it for a second, like the difference in that game was obviously rebounding. But P- Mark Pope is a genius. Like, BYU is having such a difficult time early on in the game um, scoring down low. Like, Fus Traore is normally just automatic from down there. But Utah was forcing him into difficult shots. Like, their length was, was clearly a problem for BYU. Um, and somehow, like, Mark Pope went into halftime down two, made the adjustment, um, and ended, like, BYU ended up outscoring Utah on the paint by, like, 20 points which is insane uh, for, yeah. for how big and how long Utah is and how BYU trotted out. I think their tallest player was Gavin Baxter at 6'9 on the floor. And to, to out-rebound a team like Utah um, and to really just dominate inside the paint when you're shooting that poorly from three and still come away winning by 10 on in a hostile environment against an undefeated team like, again, this basketball team, I I had my reservations about them early on, but I'm really excited uh, for what they can do because they're not, uh, according to Ken Palm, they're not they're favored in every single game until Gonzaga in January. So we we could be talking about an undefeated, one-loss team going into uh, WCC play, and they're already in the top twelve. So like this, this basketball team could be really special.
1: Yeah, I mean is this like the first year since they joined the conference probably that you could make an argument that the conference play may be tougher than non-conference play right like you always have had to play the gonzagas but i mean this is probably the best uh you know group of a group of teams the west coast conference has put together since Boe's joined like in terms of these other programs you know stepping up and you know playing well and uh uh, you know i probably would have to check you know the rankings and stats and things like that but it seems like this might be you know the the conference play might actually be tougher than the non conference play for BYU at this point so if they can go into yeah. west coast conference play without a single loss on their may I'm signing up play this is going to be good really basketball team
0: Yeah. I mean, the WCC has five, uh, five teams in the top 100 of Kempom, which is, which is awesome. Um, we'll see what happens when the net rankings come out, but like the WCC, the, 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 I mean, the big knock on the WCC is there's not enough opportunities for quad one wins. Um, but like with BYU going on the road to Santa Clara, uh, San Francisco, St. Mary's and Gonzaga, those are all quad one opportunities for BYU. So, um, this has the potential to be the best resume BYU has had uh, in the last, <coughs> I mean, obviously in the last three years, but maybe even going back to the Jimmer teams like this, this could be uh, like BYU could be looking at a really, really good seed if, if they can take care of business.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's exciting. It's, it's an exciting time, obviously for BYU fans. And I don't think anyone's blind to that fact with, Everything that's been going on over the last month, obviously, no lost November and BYU football sitting here. You know, the playoff rankings came out by the time you're listening to this. The playoff rankings came out last night. Uh, BYU coming in at number 12, moving up a spot. So, I, I mean, I can't like this is probably the best time uh, just to be a BYU sports fan. Uh, in quite some time, obviously, there's been special years and things like that. But um, you know, when you look at it as a whole and take a step back and look at the entirety of the BYU athletic department and the programs and where it, each team is headed, uh, you know, this is a pretty special time. BYU certainly is an everything school.
0: Absolutely, and it's oh my gosh, so much fun. Um, but it is still football season, after all. We 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 started the show talking about the the Pac-12 South champs, um, which. Means we should probably talk about the uh, Pac-12 South Championship game. Um, yep. it was a weird one. Uh, like I don't, I don't really I know what.
1: I'm gonna be honest.
0: Yeah, and like I mean, definitely an ugly game. I mean, I was w- with all the sports going on Saturday. I was absolutely prepared to have uh, an, an emotional attack uh, at some point because the women's soccer game, basketball game, and and football game were all going on kind of at the same time. Um, yeah. but I'm gonna be honest. That fourth quarter that had me really nervous. Um, but I want to get your thoughts. What, what, did, what? Yeah, what did what did you think about the, like, what? Yeah, what's what's your takeaways from the game on Saturday?
1: Well, I didn't like it. Like, I get it. Like, you're on the road. It's USC. Like, you kind of you know the helmet and the uniforms and the stadium really, you know, make you think that this team is better than they actually are this year. I mean, this was a USC team that was coming off a absolute, you know, beating at the hands of their crosstown rival and who who hung north of 60 points on him. And I, I wasn't disappointed so much in the BYU defense. Like I think for the most part, you know, they did kind of probably what was to be expected, right? Like I wish they would have brought more pressure, especially considering the fact that Jackson Dart's a true freshman right? Like I I wish I could have seen uh, him be a little more rattled and not have all the time in the world back there in the pocket most times. But uh, I I think my disappointment lies mainly on the BYU offense and the fact that they weren't able to generate uh, more offense and more points. And obviously there was a couple of mistakes and uh, probably poor decisions on the part of Jaron Hall that uh, you could argue cost BYU points. But uh, I mean, this is a USC team that was giving up, you know, historic numbers uh, at in-home games. Right. I think like Utah was a, a game set record in terms of, you know, points allowed or something like that. And, you know, only to just be outdone by UCLA, who, who like I said, scored, you know, more than 60 points on them. And, and I get that this was a USC team who was fighting for bowl eligibility and it was senior night. So that, you know, these players really wanted to wanted to go out on a high note. Uh, but I just thought the BYU offense was capable of more than what they showed against UCLA. Cause this is not a, or against USC, cause this is not a good USC defense.
0: Yeah. I mean, like we, we said before the, we said before the game, like this USC defense was, uh, was Virginia levels of bad. Um, yeah. And like in yards, and per they, play, were like, they
1: were one of the worst. And yeah. Yeah.
0: And this, the, the game felt like every other game BYU's had so far, where they looked poised to break it open and they just couldn't do it. Like, we're, I mean, we're, we'll get to that probably a little later, but like we were talking about BYU going to a near six game and, and things like that and style points and, and all those things. Like, there, there's a very, I mean, there absolutely is a world where a ten and two BYU team could make a, a New Year six game, but the reason if they don't, the reason is because they had opportunities to to blow these games open and they just couldn't get it done. And this was another one of those where at the end of the first half, you're driving down into USC territory, and then uh, then Jaron Hall throws a really bad pick that turns into yeah. to really a ten point swing, um, and then to to come out of the half firing and And um, and he obviously throws that big touchdown pass. Like at that point, it could have been 28 to 10. And I think USC just kind of folds after that. Yeah. Um, And so, again, it's it's, in every game this year, something has happened, whether it be on the offense or defensive side, that has kept BYU from uh, running away against these teams that they should be running away from. And that includes really good Arizona State, Utah, Washington State, USC teams. Uh, USC is obviously not that great, but like, uh, yeah, it, it just coming away from it. I kind of left with a bad taste in my mouth, but at the same time, like I'm going to level with you guys. The fact that BYU beat USC in the Coliseum with six walk-ons on defense starting, I, I don't know. I have a hard time being disappointed in that, like as, as, as well, dirty as you felt after the game like when you really sat down and thought about it, I mean, this we're just on paper, even a four and six USC team should be beating the team that BYU trotted out there. Because I mean, you're missing Gunnar Romney, Poo, or, uh, Neil Pau on offense, Campbell Barrington and Harris Lachance on the offensive line. And then literally every defender that you have is, is a walk on. Like I, to be honest, I was really impressed with the medal of this BYU team to, to go out and get a win under those circumstances.
1: Yeah, I mean, and let's not pretend like USC wasn't riddled with injuries as well because I think, you know, they mentioned on the broadcast, you know, something like 30 guys or something have missed time due to injury at some point this season for the Trojans. But that's why I don't think I necessarily would say I was disappointed in the defense, but it really was the offense because it was that. It I felt much like the Arizona game to me where it was you're waiting for a big play, you're waiting for a big play, you're waiting for, you know, a home run um, play to really put it out of reach and, and uh, you know, show, show no mercy to Arizona, or in this case, USC. And it just never happens. And then, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, you look up the scoreboard and think, how is it this close? Like, this game should not be this close right now. Like, you've just been waiting for two and a half quarters, three and a half quarters for this big play. And for the offense to really kick it into that next gear and take over. And it just doesn't happen. And I think it's the same thing that happened in the Georgia Southern game. Um, I think the USF game, it was more on the defense, right? Like the offense was cruising, and then it was the defense that just couldn't get off the field and allowed that game to be a lot closer than it needed to be. Um, you know, but like you said, at the end of the day, they went on the road, got a road win over USC, which is, you know, fun. It's cool to say. Um, But I don't know, it's just I was waiting for three and a half hours for the BYU offense to, you know, finally say enough is enough. We're going to go out here and hang 50 because that was my score, 50 to 20, um, which was even close, uh, as it turns out. But, you know, that's how I expected this game to go. And it seemed like it could have trended in that direction multiple times throughout the night. Right. You mentioned the end of the first half was the big one uh because BYU had a chance to go up by three scores and instead win into half up by eight uh because an interception led turns into a field goal but uh you know win is a win is a win no matter how pretty or how ugly it is uh you guys talked about on our last podcast last week that I that you were saying Georgia Southern was the kind of game that you know a couple of years ago in 2019 BYU loses I think this is more like a game where in 2019 BYU loses right like played better should have dominated um playing and not a very good opponent and just never really could take that next step uh and you ultimately end up coming short just because you were waiting for that big play that never happened
0: yeah and, and I mean again this is the hype train podcast like I, I don't want to feel like we're just raining on BYU's break because at the end of the day like how awesome is it that we're disappointed in a win over U.S. frequency like it I don't,
1: it- we should be acting like BYU beat Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush, really. <laughs> like, that's so, our job. I, but.
0: So, yeah, I mean, as far but as, I can't like...
1: name another player other than Jackson Dark on USC, and that's, like, the reality <laughs> of it. Like, that's where this USC program is right now.
0: Yeah, I, but, but at the end, of, but again, like, to play devil's advocate here, BYU's second and third string guys are walk-ons, and USC's second and string third guys are still four-star kids so i i and so i don't know it's i've just kind of come to terms with this is what byu is this year i i know it took me 12 12 games to figure that out but like this team is kind of the anti-nebraska is what i've decided where nebraska went one and eight in conference play in every single one of those games was by one like seven of those games were by one possession, and they're playing teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. Was,
1: the stat you're referring to: game where by one possession. All nine games were nine points or less.
0: Yeah, and like their score differential going one and eight in the Big Ten was even. They had a they had yeah. zero score differential after going one and eight, which is insane. But like that, that's kind of where BYU is the anti that, where they. Uh, like these games were close, but they just found a way to get it done. Like guys stepped up and made plays and guys that you don't like throughout the season. It's, it's, it's really been the same scenario all year. BYU starts kind of hot. They, they kind of get up to a, a big lead. They have a double double digit lead at halftime. They allow the other, to, they allow the opponent to get back into the game somehow um, as the offense goes cold and the, the, the defense starts getting a little tired. And then in the fourth quarter, it, it like, it feels great to, and it's sad that the season's over, but like, I like looking back and realizing that even though the offense struggled a little bit, I still had no doubt on that final drive that BYU was going to be able to drive down and score a touchdown. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of that goes back to the trench play. We have not talked enough about how awesome this BYU offensive line has been. Like we, we talked about it a lot last year. Um, but this BYU offensive line, according to PFF is a top five offensive line in the country. Um, the reason why Tyler Algier has been so dominant and the reason why guys like Jackson McChesney can come in off the bench, um, and, and score like, and have three straight carries of five or more yards and score the game winning touchdown is because the boys up front, um, just, they just get it done. Um, and it really doesn't matter who's in there. You got guys like Brayden Kime. Uh, who really haven't played at all this season. Um, and then in the last two games, they step in and really you don't, you, you can't tell. Like at no point this year did I think, wow, I really wish we would have had Harris LeChance in there. Um, and, yeah. that, and that's no disrespect to Harris LeChance because he's a baller, but it's because he had a freshman All-American and Campbell Barrington come in and, and get the job done. And then Campbell Barrington goes down. And quite frankly, I didn't even know he was hurt because the offensive line play by Brayden Kime was so good that I just didn't think about it like that I mean that's yeah. the measure of a true offensive lineman is if you don't know their name because they're they're not committing penalties they're not giving up sacks like the I, I've I've been racking my brain all season I'm curious your thoughts on this like how the heck did BYU get to 10 wins like what what is so different about this BYU team uh like this this again this is a BYU team that in 2019 goes seven and six this year they're 10 and two why like I've been trying to figure that out and I've decided it all just comes down to offensive line play and turnover margin what do you think
1: uh I think it's you know I think what it really boils down to is the coaching and the leadership on this team yeah right like think about the 2019 team like your leader was you know a a true sophomore zach wilson right like that was your team leader and there really wasn't anyone else who had been in the system for a really long time who knew you know what they what they were doing in crucial moments um and, and could really you know, look at their teammates and say hey like we're buckling down here and we're going to go out and win this thing and here's how we're going to do it right like I think that was some of the shortcomings of the BYU team, especially in 2019. When you, you know, you talk about, you know, Zach's a true sophomore. He's coming off a shoulder surgery. He wasn't practicing with the team. And he breaks his thumb and all that stuff. And, and then in comes, what was it, another true sophomore? Or was he a redshirt freshman at the time And Jaron Hall? Um, and then after that, in comes true freshman Baylor Romney, right? Like the one kind of like leader on that team and like the experienced guys were like Matt Bushman. And, like, even Kairos Tonga, I think, at that point, was still, like, a sophomore or a junior. Um, but, you know, Matt Bushman was kind of, like, the seasoned vet, right? Like, him and Isaiah Kafusi were the older team leaders at that time. And I just think, you know, there wasn't anyone who could really – the team could look to and be like, you know, this guy, he he knows what he's doing. Like, he's going to get us to the finish line. And now BYU has multiple guys like that, right? Like Jaron Hall is a, is a seasoned veteran quarterback who knows how to take control of the offense. Tyler Algier is one of the top running backs in the country and has been with the program since 2018. And he's played offense and defense. Like he knows what he's doing out there on the field and in crucial moments knows how to get the job done. Uh, and so I, I think that's probably what I attribute most of it to, most of the change, right? Because in 2019, I mean, was it two games? You had the Toledo game and the USF game where BYU had the ball with a chance to go down and win the game in the final minutes with a touchdown and just couldn't get it done either through a pick or, or just, you know, couldn't get into the end zone. And I, in situations like that, like you have to have some sort of veteran leadership to lean on. And BYU now has that. And we saw that against USC when they were down three uh, going down the field with just a couple minutes remaining needing a touchdown and they got it. Why? Because it was guys like Jackson McChesney, who's been with the program for, you know, four years now was Jaron Hall. Who's a seasoned veteran. It was guys like that along the offense uh, who, who knew what they needed to do to get into the end zone and to be able to come out and get a victory.
0: Yeah. um, uh, Yeah, no, I, I think that's really what it comes down to is, is the coaching and the leadership. I, like, I've, I've to, to your point about like the, the Toledo and, and USF games, that was really the story of every season for BYU up until this season and last season, quite frankly, where in three different games, BYU in 2018 and 2019, BYU had an opportunity to win the game in the fourth quarter. And they just couldn't get it done. And a lot yeah. of that was, I, I think you're, I think you hit the nail on the head with leadership, but I mean, the problem, uh, the other problem with that was turnovers like Northern Illinois, the game ended the seven to six game. BYU was driving to, to kick a game winning field goal and Zach threw a pick. Um, yeah. USF and USF and Toledo, same kind of deal where BYU had an opportunity to drive down the field and they couldn't get it done because of some kind of a turnover. Um, and like going into the game i was thinking like okay that like, i thought i finally had it pinned down that yeah like the reason BYU is so good is cuz they're second in the country in turnover margin i think that's still the case but like they beat they beat USC being minus 2 in the turnover margin like uh, it's it's just this b and i so so i think you're right that's why it comes down to leadership as opposed to anything else on the field because this BYU team is one in every which way you can think of they've won in shootouts they've won in defensive uh they've kind of won in defensive struggles they've won in uh in games where they had to air it out and throw it all over the field and they've won games where uh they needed to rely on the running game they've they've had um games like they've had games like arizona state where you needed to force a bunch of turnovers to win and they have games like usc where they turned the ball over uh twice and still found a way to get it done like i it, the, the job that Kalani Satake has done, he has to be a top five coach of the year candidate. to To lose to lose twelve players to the NFL, to return thirty five percent of your uh, of your production from a year ago, to have, according to to twenty four seven, you have the hundred and eighth most talented roster in the country, um, and then go up against seven Power Fives to come out and win ten games, like. I don't, we talked about hyperbole, but this is the hype train podcast. Like this is probably a, in my opinion, this is like a top 10, if not top five story for B like storied season for BYU, just in terms of the storylines that went into it, the injuries they had to overcome and all the things they had to accomplish just to get to 10 wins. This has to be a top 10 coaching job in BYU history.
1: So, are you talking coaching job, or are you talking about just overall season? The, the more, the, yeah, the, the, and the more it's actually it, something I would like to d- debate and discuss because I think yeah, we we'll probably yeah, view yeah, it differently. I mean,
0: let's get to it. It's just us. Like we, we can. I kind of want yeah. to talk about this next week since we got a show to fill, but why not? Like the the longer I we'll got get, talking, we'll get I think Trevor's it's
1: thoughts next week
0: for sure. I I think I think this is probably a top ten coaching job. Um. But I think it's even a top 10 season. Like I'm trying to, like my, in no particular order, my rank would probably be, uh, let's go 79, 80, 83, 84, 1990. Uh, Then you have 96, 2006, 2009. And then... I mean, this between this and 2020, this it's kind of a toss up between those two. Like, I don't know what order I'd necessarily put those in, but like, I'd, I, I want to write an article comparing this team to the 2020 team. Cause I think it'd be really interesting, but in terms of resume, I like you, you had the stat, but I'm going to steal it. This there, it. there have, there have been harder seasons in BYU history, this uh, per Hunter Miller, this is the 22nd hardest schedule BYU has ever played. But per this me, is the, per sports reference. Right. Th- but this is the third hardest uh, schedule that ended up in 10 wins. So, like, just in terms of resume, it's a top three resume in BYU history. But, like, it, yeah, just just the, the dominance over the Power Five and the Pac-12, like, really hits home with me in terms of how I'm going to remember this season going forward.
1: So I think we're actually closer than I think I thought that we were before going into this. And we've texted, you know, in group chats about this throughout the last few days. Um, But I mean, it was posed on Twitter. I forget who posed the question about, you know, where this BYU season ranks all time. And like, I saw people saying top three or like top five, And while I appreciate the excitement and the, you know, just the passion um, and everything that surrounded this season, it's nowhere near the top three. Like let's, let's, you know, I'm going to try to avoid being a prisoner of the moment as best I can. And I don't think I'm being a prisoner of the moment at all, because I probably have this team ranked lower than most would, but this is not a top three BYU team in history. Like it was a fun season. Right. And I think the, you know, the feeling of going and beating all the Pac-12 teams while fun. Um, this is, you know, if you look at the Pac-12, it's kind of a dumpster fire outside of Utah and Oregon for the most part. Uh, and even Utah was a bit of a dumpster fire to begin the season, which is when BYU beat them. Um, and Utah and Oregon's kind of been a dumpster fire as of late, right? And that's due to a lot of injuries and they're a young team and I get all that, but um, while everything they accomplished this year is fun. This is not, you know, a top three. It's not a, definitely not a top five. And I would argue not even a top 10 BYU team. A BYU, I want to say BYU season, because I don't want to compare talent levels, um, but just overall I, season and what happened and the storylines and things like that.
0: In, in terms of talent, I think this might be a top, I don't know, call me crazy. This, this could be a top five talent team.
1: They're just young. Maybe I think I think if we're talking just in terms of talent in a team, it's probably top ten. Maybe closer to five than they are ten. Um, but if we're you know and, and it's just it's too hard to just compare talent, right? Like you got to compare those other intangibles and everything else that went into the season. Um, if you're talking about just greatest seasons, so here's my list. So I'll tell you right now, I have the 2021 BYU team at 12th all time. And here are the 11 teams ahead of them in no particular order with some reasoning as to why. So I have 1984, obviously national championship. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. I have have 1996, which if you want to talk about talent wise was possibly, probably the best BYU team ever in terms of talent. 96 Uh, is probably my number two. Yeah, you have most 96. wins in a single season and with 14. You beat Kansas State in the Cotton Bowl, right? Like, that was a, a legendary BYU team. Uh, shout out to them, 25-year tw- anniversary. I have the 1983 season. Steve Young was a Heisman finalist. Um, you demolished Utah 55-7. to uh, You only had one loss. And then you had that crazy last-minute uh, win over Missouri in the Holiday Bowl with Steve Young catching a touchdown. Uh, I have 1979, which is the first ever double-digit win season uh, for BYU. It was the first time they've ever been ranked in the top ten in BYU history. They were undefeated in the regular season, and they fell one point short in the bowl game, I think, to Indiana. Um, so yeah. they're one point short of being undefeated, which is, you know, obviously crazy to have to be that good um, and have you know all those firsts in the same year. To first season to go undefeated in the regular season, first time. Uh, to reach double digits first time to be in the top 10 like a lot of firsts for BYU in 79 so obviously you know you and I weren't around but that was probably a pretty special season for BYU fans who were able to see that firsthand Uh, I have 1980 first ever bowl game win obviously with the miracle bowl and BYU offense led the nation in passing scoring total offense that year so if you want to talk about a dynamic high power offense 1980 led by Jim McMahon Uh, And that's particular comeback against a very good SMU team. Uh, I have them up there as well. I have 1981, which doesn't sound like, you know, I don't think, I think it's one of the more unheralded BYU teams of all time. Uh, Jim McMahon missed two games that year. And despite that, uh, was an All-American, won the Davey O'Brien and the Sammy Baugh Awards and was third in Heisman voting. So, you know, if you want to point to Tyler Algier and and everything he accomplished this year as to why this season has been so special, you got to put 81 up there uh, because of what Jim McMahon was able to do. You also beat Washington State in the bowl game. I have 2006, ushered in that new era of BYU football, had obviously the to harleen moment, beat Oregon in the Vegas Bowl, uh, 11 wins. 2006 was obviously a pretty special year and personally my favorite BYU team of all time. I have the 2020 season up there as well, just because of everything that went into it, right? It was the COVID season. Um, You were putting games together on two days notice and flying across the country. You came one yard short of being undefeated for only the second time in BOU history. If you you get that one extra yard versus Coastal Carolina, uh, obviously Zach Wilson goes number two in the draft as well. Uh, I have 2001, highest scoring offense, I believe in BOU history, 12 game winning streak. Uh, and Luke Staley won the Doak Walker Award. Obviously, I know that season kind of unraveled there at the end. Um, but, you know, to win your first, t- to start off the season 12 0, obviously had to be pretty special and everything that they had going on there in Gary Croton's first year. I also have 1990. Uh, you beat number one Miami. Ty Demmer wins the highest, his men, and it was the highest. Strength of schedule of any double digit win season in BYU history. So you talked about this year being the third highest. 1990 was actually the highest on uh, the toughest schedule of any BYU team that won 10 games or more. And then I have 2009 uh, as well ahead of this BYU team. You beat Oklahoma, who was ranked third at the time, Sam Bradford, who was, you know, they were considered a national title contender at the time. You go into the Cowboy Stadium, Jerry World, beat Oklahoma. You also had that overtime win, and Andrew George. Uh victory over Utah, and then you dismantled a sixteenth ranked oregon state in the Vegas bowl, and two thousand nine uh was the return of the royal uniforms so uh have to give that some points there for for that two thousand nine squad as well so those are the eleven teams um that I have higher than this two thousand twenty one team and kind of why I have them higher
0: okay so to to not to push back but like in terms no, of just regular want. season, you 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 listed off a lot of bowl games in that in that scenario, but just in terms of ten win seasons, like or just in terms of regular seasons, does that move BYU up on their list? Like say say they go to the guaranteed rate bowl and they blow out like a Penn <laughs> State, would that move them up your list? Um,
1: probably not. Like honestly, like of everything I listed, the bowl game was just sort of the icing on the cake right? Like you talk about the overtime win over Utah and beating Oklahoma and Cowboy Stadium and everything that, you know, that BYU team did with Max Hall, like the win over Oregon State and the bowl game was just kind of the icing on the cake. You talk about, you know, what BYU was able to do in 2006 and, um, you know, rattling off 10 straight wins to close out the year and finishing, you know, I think they were top 15 finish and back to Harleen, like how special that year was, because I think The anticipation of that year, people realized pretty early on, like this is a very good BYU team. I can't wait to play Utah because, you know, there was a little mini streak going on at that point. And it was also back when BYU and Utah played on rivalry weekend. um, And they were both very good teams. And I think, you know, the kind of the Mountain West Conference came down to that final week and all the excitement and the anticipation that grew week in and week out waiting for that BYU-Utah matchup for it to end on a Beck to Harleen touchdown pass on the final play of the game. Um, And then really everything other than that, I mean, you're beating number one, Miami, you're winning Heisman's, you're winning Sammy ball awards. You're winning Joe Walker awards. You're going undefeated in the regular season. You're winning national championships. Like I think in all these cases, the bowl game was just that final, you know, that icing on the cake or the cherry on top uh, for all these seasons. So I don't think if I'm not counting bowl games, like, the only one where it's like a bowl game was like probably not like that great was 1981. But again, at that same time, Jim McMahon was an All-American. He won the Davey O'Brien and the Sammy Ball award. He was a third place in the Heisman finish. Like if any BYU player ever again finishes top three for Heisman voting, like that's going to be a huge storyline for BYU fans. Um, So the fact that that happened in the same season where Jim McMahon missed two games, like, if he probably plays those two games, you're probably talking about him and Detmer being the two Heisman winners in BYU history. Um, so I, I don't know, probably not to answer the long way yeah. of answering your questions of, I don't think if I discount bowl games, it changes anything.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it's a little unfair to, to compare like this team to the teams from the eighties. Cause that was just a different era of college football. Like yeah. in that era, the, there wasn't, like, there were power conferences, but the bias wasn't so strong that a team outside of power conference couldn't win anything yeah. like in, in no world. Like if, if Zach Wilson played in 1980, he would have won the Davy O'Brien award. Uh, yeah. if, if like, heck if Jaron Hall played in 1980, 1981 or like 1983, he could, he could put up the numbers that Steve Young did if not better. And like Jaron Hall's not Steve Young, but like, the the era was different. So I think it's hard. Yeah. Well, I, it's and that's kind of like comparing you, apples and oranges there, right?
1: Yeah. And that's why I was saying you can't compare the talent levels of each team. Like, I right. can only compare what had what was accomplished and why I imagine the hype and the excitement around each team was like, right? Because, yeah. like, really, only three of these teams on my list was I coherent for, right? Like, the yeah. 2001 <clears throat> teams on my list, but I was five years old. Like, I wasn't watching games and you know, on Twitter or whatever it was, reading newspaper articles. Um, so I can only imagine what the hype was like around every one of these teams other than 06, 09, and 2020. Um, but just looking at what was accomplished each year, right? Like, you know, that Steve Young year and, you know, how good BYU was that really set the stage for the national championship the next year. And Steve Young being a Heisman finalist, Like, I can, like, again, I can only imagine if a BYU player was a Heisman finalist today. And like what that would be like on Twitter and everything like that and what we'd be talking about on this podcast and how excited we'd all be. And the fact that there are multiple years like that where BYU did have a Heisman finalist and even a Heisman winner, like I've got to put that, like that generates more excitement and I think carries more weight for a season than a win over Washington State, Virginia and USC
0: does. For sure. So I, I think it's interesting that you bring up those three games. Like, I, I'm going to be honest, this. The the mood around BYU Nation, it, it feels like we have to talk BYU fans into thinking that this team is great. Um, And, and I think the think? reason why. Kind of, because like th- this. I mean, this everyone was team, saying this
1: is a top three BYU team.
0: I, not, not yeah, I mean, I not everyone was not, not, I didn't really see much of that. I, but I think that's just like, fans trying team. to read, There's a like, lot. I, I think that in a lot of cases, that's just like fans trying to reassure themselves. Like, I think if you pulled BYU fans and asked them like, which season was better between the 2006, 08, 0, uh, 2006 07, 08, 09 run. And this team, I think like BYU fans would probably take any of those four teams minus 2008 over this one. I disagree. I think this BYU team is better than 2007 for sure. I, th- I think it's a little comparable yeah. to 2007 in terms of like n- no preseason expectations. You come in guns blazing, you, you rack up a new couple quarterback wins, obviously. Yeah. New quarterback. You, um, but like in terms of how I'm going to remember this season, it's going to be a lot closer to like the 2009 season. Like the most special memory I have as a BYU fan was that 2009 season, like 2006. I was probably still a little too young to really appreciate what was going on. I knew that team was good. I remember watching them in the, uh, in the Vegas bowl, just blowing out Oregon um, and how awesome yeah. that was. Um, But like, like this team, the, the 20, the 2020 team in my mind is going to be compared to that, 20 uh 20, 2006 team uh in my mind because the schedule was weaker but the team was just so dominant that it almost didn't matter what the schedule was. Like you had you had an NFL draft pick at quarterback. Um you had a dominant tight end, you had uh you know wide receivers kind of all over the place. You had that dominant offense that and it was a renaissance uh after a very long drought of BYU not looking like BYU. And that 2006 season kind of reminded us, oh, wow. Yeah. Like this, this reminds me of the eighties the and nineties BYU teams. And I think that 2020 team, that's how I'm going to remember it, where it's like, yeah, they probably won't get the respect they deserve because of the schedule, but like just the talent level on that team um, w- was phenomenal. Uh, and yeah. so that's always going to, and, and and the fact that it put BYU football back on the map after, after 10 years of irrelevance, um, will go a long way, but this year, uh, because of the schedule, it, it's gonna, it's gonna be closer to that 2009 team for me. Um, because you, you beat Utah and it's not just that, like the, the reason I hold this, this season so special in my heart is not is, is because like, yeah, the games were close, but they weren't that close. Like you're beating these power five teams in games where like you never trail. And if you did trail, it's only for like a couple minutes. Um, and, and I know I know we've talked about that P5 moniker, like doesn't really mean anything or not. It doesn't mean as much as the pundits say it does, but like the pundits say it matters a lot. And so the, 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 the conversation surrounding BYU last year was that they couldn't win these games. And for me, this season is special because it proved that narrative wrong like the narrative around BYU for, for a decade now is that they didn't have the depth to compete in a power five, in a power five league. Um, they, they didn't have the the talent to, to compete week, week in and week out with teams from the Pac-12. And so to go five and O against the league that was probably BYU's biggest uh, critic last season um, to, to kind of curb stomp them throughout the season has been awesome for me. And, and I still hold, that if the US if the ASU, Utah and um i guess the, uh, those were probably the two big ones if those happened at the end of the year we'd be feeling a lot different about this season because the like the Washington State, USC and Virginia games kind of leave a bad taste in our mouth because like BYU didn't play perfectly in those games but at yeah, the I end mean, the of the Washington day
1: the Washington State one shouldn't cuz yeah. that's a good team
0: yeah and, but, but like but the Virginia I, I still, and the-
1: Georgia Southern and the USC games absolutely should.
0: But, the, but that's the thing like Virginia you still beat them by 17 points. Like it's not like that we knew what we knew their offense was awesome, but like at the end of the day, BYU like 17 plus is a dominant win. like sure, it's like a 1980s or like 2001 type dominant win where like no one wants to play defense but I there, there's certain wins that 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 happen for BYU this year that for me, were as much fun as any I've ever seen as a, as a BYU fan. So I, in, my, in my mind, I'm, I'm going so to – to, to kind of like – like I said, the teams, you, you, you can't really compare, but in the last 20 years, I think this 2020 team had a better season than 2001. Because 2001, you had the injuries, but you didn't fall apart at the end. Um, like that 2001 team They're got blown up by home. Middle. I mean, kind of, I can't, I can't say that really <laughs> fell apart when the teams you lost to were Boise state. Who's a seven win team. I mean, it's not great. And then Baylor who's a top 10 team by, by two touchdowns. Like it, yeah, it
1: really was just one Boise state game.
0: Yeah. And um, so like, I, I put it over the 2001 team. I definitely put it over the 2007, 2008 teams. Um, and I, I don't know like that 2009 team and is, is, is special in my heart. But like, I mean, I think this is a top at at worst. It's a top three season in the last 20 years. And I think you can make a really strong case based on resume that it's higher than that.
1: So I would have it fourth in the last 20 since 2000. So I'd have 2006, 2009 and 2001 ahead of them. Um. I can see your argument, but again, like if we thought Tyler Algier's season that he's having this year was special, like Luke Staley's was all the more special, winning that Doak Walker award, right? And if we talk about, you know, BYU had, you make the good point of, yeah, BYU fell off at the end, but I mean, it's going to be the same amount of losses currently, right? Because that team finished, what, 12-2? and um
0: mm-hmm. BYU
1: sitting at 10 and 2 so you know if you can win their bowl game wherever they end up going like that they're having the same amount of losses and just how prolific that offense was right like you talk about Brandon Doman you talk about Luke Staley you had Reno Mahe um you had all these guys that you know their names right now escape my mind but like that team was loaded And they were putting hanging points on everybody, like they were scoring seventy points versus FBS teams. They were, you know, pretty much like fifty points week in and week out. And like Twitter didn't exist at the time, and we weren't old enough at the time to be fully grasp what was going on. But like, imagine if a BYU team walked out there with a Doak Walker Award winning running back and was hanging fifty on everybody.
0: Yeah, I just I just and think the, the that's are, that are subjective. I think
1: year after oh, Lavelle. Like, Yeah. I, Lavelle Edwards just retired. You're like legendary coach, really the only head coach of you no know, in BYU history is retired. And I know it went downhill after 2001. but for the new guy, Gary Croton, to come in and to lead a team like that and to have that explosive and explosive of an offense. Like BYU fans had to be feeling pretty good at that moment.
0: Yeah. And I I think you make a good point. I think it just depends on how BYU finishes at this point. Um, But I I, I think like the ultimate trump card at this point would be if BYU somehow finds their way into a New Year six, I think that catapults this season up no matter what. Um, If
1: BYU goes to a New Year's six and wins a New Year six bowl game, this would, they would jump in, they would definitely jump 2006, 2001, 2009, um, and probably one of like the eighties teams, um, yeah. probably jump that 81 team, um, and be, and they'd firmly cement themselves into the top 10 if okay. they can do that.
0: Right. So, let, I mean, let's, let's talk about that. So the college football rankings, it, it, I mean, it's taken us an hour to, to get to probably the most important part of the show. But, like, so BYU comes in at number number 12 in the rankings. Um, they're still behind Oregon and Michigan State, notably. Um, so, as, as far as a New Year Six go, it's still possible because Baylor dropped a spot. Um, but what needs to happen for, for BYU to, to make a New Year Six Bowl at this point?
1: So, you probably need – Baylor to get crushed by Oklahoma state while Cincinnati wins and Michigan wins. And I, I think probably, you know, people on Twitter, especially, you know, Garrett and Jeff Hansen and some of those guys, Robbie, but with me here, because they were saying that Alabama needs to be Georgia, but I am kind of of the opinion that if that game's even remotely close, the committee will keep Alabama in just because they've shown a tendency in the past where like, even if Alabama doesn't go to the conference title game, they still make the playoffs. And I think the interesting thing will be what they do. The one thing that makes me pause with that was that I think if Alabama was number two, then they would just, and lost to Georgia, they would drop Alabama from two to three. But now I just don't see them being three losing to Georgia and dropping one spot to play Georgia again in the first round but obviously you can't keep them at three. So I think that's, I think it's something to watch and monitor there. Um, But obviously best case scenario is Alabama beats Georgia. So Georgia and Alabama both make the playoff. So your top four remains the same. So you have Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, and Cincinnati. You have Oklahoma state blowout um, Baylor. So that Baylor drops behind a BYU, which I know some people will say, well, Baylor has the head to head, but you know it I, it doesn't necessarily always matter especially if you know Oklahoma State wins by three scores or more um, and then I think on top of that I know I said in the group chat Oregon Utah doesn't really matter but I think and I don't think it really does all that much but I think an Oregon win only helps BYU because then there's no chance of Utah taking the Rose Bowl bid and Oregon still hanging around, and the committee end up giving Oregon the at-large bid. You know, just right. because it's Oregon and it's a brand name and it's the Ducks and it's Nike and it's
0: lots of dollars. So i i don't think a I don't think a three loss Oregon team makes the. I, I, I don't see a way that a three loss Oregon team makes a New Year's Six as an at large. Um, I don't
1: either, but it's the committee. I know, but I, I think we're <laughs> I can't put anything past them.
0: Like I'm gonna be honest, and this is gonna sound crazy. Like the last couple weeks, these 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 rankings haven't been bad. Like they're um the the even even like ranking Michigan over Michigan State. The like it was dumb at the time, but like the committee was proven right. Um, that this Michigan yeah. team is is better than that Michigan State team, despite the head to head. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like I I was worried that they would jump Utah over BYU and Utah is still five spots below them. Um, Yeah,
1: I don't have any worries about that happening.
0: So, like, I think we were we were worried about certain things happening that the committee proved us wrong on. Um, I still think like Oregon should be below BYU just based on sheer resume. Um, But yeah, there's nothing
1: that there's the one win over Ohio state and but uh, I mean realistically,
0: Ole Miss is gonna get in their season's over yeah. they're 10 and 2 um they needed to lock. lose last weekend and they didn't so they're they're a lock um yeah. you have Notre Dame their season's over they're 11 and 1 they're a lock to make a New Year's 6 game
1: yeah if they um, don't make
0: the playoffs and they're a lock for at large right so I mean, no. it, it well, would, would help be BYU large... if Notre Dame made the playoff. If Notre Dame and Cincinnati made the playoff, that would actually probably be pretty helpful for BYU. Yeah, it just...
1: Like, there'd have to be some way, like, Georgia would have to dismantle Alabama, and, uh, and like, Oklahoma State would have to win, like, 6-3 to three against Baylor. Right? Like, yeah. for Notre but, Dame but to I... jump in. But then even if that happens, then Baylor we probably still taking that large spot. So you're, it's a wash essentially.
0: Yeah. I, I think, you, I think the committee kind in, of, go ahead. The, the, the committee played their hand with what they're going to do with Oklahoma state and Notre Dame. There's no way at this point that Oklahoma state can win and jump Notre Dame, especially because Notre Dame doesn't have a single ranked win this season.
1: Um You mean Notre Dame can't jump Oklahoma state?
0: Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Notre Dame can't jump Oklahoma state. Because um, Notre Dame since doesn't, one team still plays. Yeah. And so like you, you can't there's no way you can put a Notre Dame team in over an Oklahoma State team that wins, especially when an Oklahoma State team has two top 10 wins and a top 15 win in Oklahoma. Like the resume is too good for Oklahoma State. Um, so they'll especially make their, now
1: that Notre Dame is going to be coaching without Brian Kelly.
0: Right and yeah, especially that. Like they're not so, going to have
1: a coachless team jump a conference champion Oklahoma State team to
0: the playoffs. No. so Notre Dame's out of the question. Ohio State's going to the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already know that much. Um, the, the, I mean, the the question I asked you before the, the show even started is, does BYU deserve a New Year's Six? And I think I think that's a that's an interesting question. I think in terms of, and and for me, there's two schools of thought on this. Do they deserve an at-large bid? I don't know. Do they deserve a New Year's Six bid? I think so. And the committee agrees because they have them ranked 12th. Um, yeah. they, they have them as one of the 12 best teams in the country. And in my opinion, the 12 best teams in the country should be playing in the New Year's Six games. But unfortunately, there's conference tie-ins that, uh, that don't allow for that. So you're going to have an undeserving pit team who's probably going to make the, the Orange Bowl, uh, who's ranked behind BYU. There's a there's a good chance that Utah is going to make the Rose Bowl despite losing to BYU and being ranked seven spots back, and that's just the world we live in in college yeah. football. Um, but like yeah. looking at the resumes of teams in front of BYU, I don't like as far as the teams that that BYU is competing with for an at-large bid. I really don't see the resume argument for BYU. I can try and make it, but BYU has a similar resume to all of them, but. All of well, those so how many at-large spots are there? Win.
1: What's that? Do we know? Do we know for certainty how many at-large spots there are?
0: So it depends. If if Cincinnati makes the playoff, there's four, and if uh, if they don't, then there's three. Obviously. So
1: let's act in the belief that Cincinnati does make the playoff. So there's four. So at the at-large. At large, Michigan the at State. The at-large teams
0: will, will be Notre Dame, uh, assuming. Baylor, assuming uh, Baylor loses to Oklahoma State, they'll still probably get in. Uh, Michigan State will get in, and Ole Miss will get in.
1: So, really, what BYU needs to have happen is, well, because then you have the question of Alabama again.
0: So, like, so the best case scenario for BYU is that Alabama makes the playoff. So that takes yeah. away the at-large that so, takes a and then miss then mississippi would make the uh gosh so, so if alabama
1: doesn't make the playoff and cincinnati jumps to 3 and oklahoma state jumps to 4 then baylor despite losing would take the big 12 at large bid or big yes. 12 invite bid yes so and you're so then you're still sitting at four at but, large bids
0: but then alabama but then it takes alabama the takes full full spot it. and then Ole Miss still steals that bid from from BYU. So So if Alabama is in the playoff, then Ole Miss would take the Sugar Bowl spot that the SEC gets the auto berth in, and that opens up another spot for a school like BYU to to jump in. So So essentially
1: if your playoff teams are Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and Cincinnati, then your at-large team and Oklahoma State wins, the big, the Big Twelve championship. Then your at large teams are Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and probably Baylor.
0: Yes. So the school and, that BYU, unfortunately, the school BYU is competing really realistically is Baylor. Um, they dropped a spot too. in the rankings to nine, um, and BYU is in, is twelfth. So they're in striking yeah. distance. If uh, like if Oklahoma State misses the playoff and it's between Baylor, a three-loss Baylor, and a two-loss BYU. Then we can have that discussion. But that's really the only—that's really the yeah. only way. Uh, so I mean, there's there's a lot that needs to happen. But like, as far as the committee is concerned, they've actually been pretty consistent that losses matter. So like, if you if you go down the rankings, um, like a it's it's kind of interesting how this works out. Like all the all the one-loss power five, all the undefeated power five teams, Georgia are at the top and then you have the one loss power 5 teams and the undefeated G5 teams that are all grouped together. Then you have the two loss power 5 teams uh all grouped together from 7 to f- uh 16 and then you have the three loss power 5 teams and the one loss G5 teams all grouped together after that. So like it, it's it's clear that the the at least this week the committee values losses and so there it's it's just it's just a matter of if Oklahoma State dismantles Baylor, which I'm not sure that's going to happen. I don't think it will. Will the committee see that and say, okay, yeah, Baylor has the head-to-head, but they have more losses than BYU. Therefore, we're going to move BYU up. I'm not sure that's the case, but at the end of the day, the resume for Baylor will look very similar to the resume for BYU.
1: So really at the end of the day, what you need to have happen this weekend is for Alabama to beat Georgia. Yes. And for Oklahoma state to dismantle, um, Baylor. Yes. And for Michigan to beat Iowa. Yeah. So that's your, that's your rooting map.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's your five. That's your five team parlay, uh, that you need to pull off or, The simplest option, the committee just like the the Fiesta Bowl just decides they want BYU more than they want Michigan State, which I like. It's it's really hard to see that happening, but at this point, that's the simplest route. Is that despite being ranked behind Michigan State, they Michigan State gets snubbed and they take a, a two loss BYU team, who uh, who uh who doesn't have a blowout loss, and Michigan State does.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, Michigan State had 50 hung on them in the first half against Ohio State, and you lost to Purdue, unranked Purdue. So, really, the resumes of BYU and Michigan State aren't all that different, except I think BYU probably has better wins than Michigan. No, because Michigan State has the Michigan win. Yeah. So you so both have I mean, probably one really good win, right? BYU's got the win against Utah. Michigan State's got the win over Michigan, although right. Michigan's a much better win. And then you have two losses. Both of both have two losses. Both of them have one of those losses to an unranked opponent, and both of them have one of those losses to a top 10 team. So Michigan State right. and BYU really kind of have identical resumes, except for Michigan State plays in the Big Ten, and they beat Michigan who's ranked, yeah. you know, 15 spots ahead of Utah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it looks like BYU is going to be the first team out,
1: which yeah. sucks. Unless, unless those things happen. Unless Alabama wins and Michigan wins and Oklahoma State blows the doors off Baylor.
0: Then yeah. that I mean, gives we,
1: you your best shot. We need
0: 1984 levels of chaos or 2007 levels of chaos. I, I don't I, – it's – yeah, It's, it's a lot, um, but it's plausible. But, yeah. I mean, at the end of that day, like all that, those
1: 30 things could happen. Like, I don't yeah. think it's like out of the question that any of those happen.
0: Yeah. Like I, I, the, this, the
1: furthest, the hardest one on that list to get is going to be Alabama beating Georgia, which is weird to say. Yeah. But again, at the which, same time, this is Nick Saban in Alabama.
0: I, I think it can happen. Um, I, it. I mean, it depends if if Alabama can put more than seventeen points on Georgia, uh, which is they've only done once this season. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, really, the problem is Boise State. Um, when 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 the rankings came out early in the se- like earlier this season, and we saw that uh, BYU was only really like three spots behind Baylor, um, we thought, oh, maybe that Boise State loss doesn't matter that much. I think we're we're discovering that it does because a doesn't one now. loss a, a one loss BYU team, quite frankly, is minimum tenth, and probably at best they're looking at seventh, which is clearly in 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 a New Year's six spot at that point. Yeah. So yeah, if
1: BYU would have beaten Boise State; they'd firmly be in New Year's six.
0: Yeah, because you'd so, be ahead I of mean,
1: Oregon and you'd be ahead of Michigan State you'd probably be you honestly would probably be ahead of Baylor
0: yeah so at the end of the day um BYU is not like if if BYU doesn't make a New Year's Six game it's not because they got snubbed it's just it's it's how it is on, it's how it happened on the field um yep they they didn't get the style points that they needed they they uh didn't do the job that they needed to do against Boise and at the end of the day, it's just kind of like Coastal Carolina. They just fell one yard short, which is still incredible. Um, the, the fact that BYU has 10 wins uh, with all that they lost and against this type of schedule, like, like I said, I think this is a top three season in the last 20 years, no matter what happens. Um, but, yeah, it's just the way it is. It, it sucks, but uh, we're going to – we're I know we're the Hype Train podcast, but we're going to tell you like it is. Uh, um but also pull for uh pull for the best i i think that uh, there still is a path though narrow um and then just send your maybe if we just all tweet at the fiesta bowl and they realized how passionate BYU fans are about this they'll realize that BYU is a much better draw uh than a michigan state
1: just sh- send pictures of how BYU Fans filled up Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, week one, and be like, "Hey, yes. at Fiesta Bowl, you want some of this action?" Absolutely. Like that's like that's that's BYU's selling point. Essentially, is like, "Hey, we're going to travel." Like, I don't know how many fans in Lansing are going to head to Phoenix, uh, you know, the week after Christmas, but I can tell you who will head to Phoenix the week after Christmas, and that's going to be thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of BYU fans. So. Uh, tweet right. at tweet at the Fiesta Bowl your picture of the full Allegiant Stadium of royal blue. So,
0: yeah, <sighs> man.
1: But it is what it is. What I, got, I mean, I still maintain that BYU, that fans kind of put too much stock in meaningless bowl games. Like, well, for sure. I understand. I understand. We're all rooting for a New Year's Six bowl game, and I even said that a New Year's Six bowl victory would catapult this BYU team top ten all time. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, just because BYU ends up going to the Independence Bowl and plays, you know, some middling G5 opponent, like, that doesn't take away the, the fact that BYU went undefeated against the Pac-12, ended the streak against Utah, had an awesome uh, victory over Arizona State with Tyler Algier punching the ball out. Like, it doesn't take away from the fact that BYU uh, played at Raider Stadium uh, in front of, a, like I said, in front of a packed house of BYU fans. Like, there were some awesome, fun moments this year. They went up to, to um, Pullman and got a victory over Washington State. You go down to the Coliseum, you get a victory over USC. Like, there's a lot to be excited about this season. And I really don't want to see BYU fans on Twitter being like, oh, like, it wasn't, didn't end up being that great because, you know, BYU ended up going to Shreveport, Louisiana, and not Phoenix. Like I get, we all would like to go to Phoenix, but again, this was four months of awesome football and a ton of fun. And just because BYU doesn't go to the bowl game that you want them to go to shouldn't take away from that fact.
0: For sure. No, absolutely not. And at the end of the day, I still don't think they're going to the independence bowl. I think uh, with with the way that the bowl contracts are going to slip out, like we talked about all those different new year six scenarios, like even if BYU doesn't get a New Year Six spot, like if Michigan State goes to a New Year Six, um, and Ohio State and Michigan all go to New Year Sixes as well, that opens up an extra bowl slot in the in the guaranteed rate bowl. Same with same deal with the Big Twelve. So I like there's there's rumors and inklings that that's going to be the case. Um, BYU may not end up in Phoenix, but I'm pretty sure they're going to end up in Tucson against uh, against an, another Power Five opponent. Which I'd rather go to Shreveport. <laughs> oh, we, might have to, we might have to agree to disagree there i can actually go to, <laughs> my girlfriend will let me go to the game if it's in tucson
1: um go on a boys trip to louisiana stop by new orleans go to a tason hill saints game
0: uh, okay maybe you're talking me into it uh, but no matter what see? no 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 matter what happens like hunter said this it doesn't take away don't don't give in to the utah fans who are saying that that the the, the bull destination does anything to take away from what BYU has accomplished this season. Like it, like Hunter said, it's been ridiculously fun. Um, We've had plays that like the, the, the Tyler Algier punch out the, the Holker fumble ruski this week. Like there, there were certain iconic moments from this season that BYU fans are going to be talking about for, for decades to come. And at the end of the day, that's what this is really all about is, is, is having fun making memories and supporting uh the BYU athletes who who make all this possible. Um and so shout out shout out to the boys. Like they they deserve a New Year's six because of all they've had to overcome the last two years. Um and if if anything, Jerry Barda uh, deserves like the Fiesta Bowl needs to pick BYU over Michigan State to atone for the sins of the committee in twenty twenty. I, I think we we can You're all agree always on. That.
1: Yeah. Back the boys in blue, Cougar blue, Royal blue.
0: Yeah. Go Cougs. Um But with that, <laughs> uh, it's, it's been fun, man. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been fun chatting with you. Um, this is, this is,
1: uh, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I
0: think, I think next week is probably a show I, I've been most looking forward to all season because we actually know where this is going to, where this is going to play out for BYU and and the speculation is done at that point. Yeah.
1: Should be a ton of fun. I mean, I'm excited at this time next week, we'll be chatting with Trevor again and um, we'll know where BYU is going to play in a bowl game. And we'll either be really angry or really excited. I can't wait. Um, You know, those are always the best podcasts when we're either going to be angry or excited. Uh, We'll also at some point, probably after the bowl game do our end of season awards, which I think will be a ton of fun. Uh, We got some cool awards to hand out. Um, So yeah, nothing but uh, blue skies ahead for the Hype Train podcast, despite the BYU football regular season being over.
0: Yeah, and and quite frankly, if we've learned anything from the last month, BYU's never going to lose again in anything. So uh,
1: look, if BYU basketball wants to mess around and uh, go undefeated, that'd be real. That'd be cool beans.
0: That'd be a shame, wouldn't it? If women's (laughs) soccer wants to go on and win the national championship, I'd be really upset about that.
1: <laughs> women's volleyball shout out. Oh, we're giving shout outs. We gotta give a shout out to my girl Kenzie, uh West Coast Conference Player of the Year. Women's volleyball. Shout out. Let's
0: freaking go. What a yeah. time to be a BYU sports I, fan.
1: I, I texted her, I was like, congrats. And I was like, next up, national championship. She sent me back the uh purple devil emoji. So I think uh that women's volleyball team is dialed in. They're ready to go.
0: It's looking good. But uh but with yep. that, thank you guys so much for joining us here on the BYU Hype Chain podcast. Uh, please remember to to give us a rating and review. We, we love hearing from you and uh, any suggestions that you have to make the show better. Um, it's uh, man, what a time, ta- what a time to be a Cougar in, in, in all sports. Um, a lot of, a lot of exciting things and a, a lot of interesting uh, football to watch as well as basketball in the weeks ahead. Um, but until all that shakes out, and we know where BYU is headed uh, come December. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days.
1: Go Ducks.